Power Project family, how's it going? Today, we have an amazing podcast for you with the CEO of Plunge, or thecoldplunge.com, Ryan Dewey. We talk a lot about the psychedelics, how he got into owning and starting this business. We talk about float tanks, which is an amazing thing that I need to do. Uh, we also talked about how cold, or more so extreme cold, this cold plunge goes down to about 38 degrees, uh, can affect your mood, depression, can affect your recovery, just a lot of really cool things. Uh, and you'll learn Learn a lot about how temperature can affect you and mindfulness in this episode. Now, for our listeners, Ryan is the CEO of Plunge and thecoldplunge.com. If you want to check it out, they have different versions of the cold plunge. Uh, one that heats up, one that cools down, and a cold plunge XL, which I cannot wait to get my hands on. If you're interested in this product, well, you can use code POWERPROJECT for $150 off. Now, the, what makes this plunge different from other cold plunges on the market is that it filters the water and it looks really fucking cool. And unlike other cold plunges that can be like $10,000, $15,000, it's much less expensive than that. So enter the code Power Project at checkout for $150 off your cold plunge. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode with CEO Ryan Dewey. What, what kind of coffee did you have this morning? You said there's uh, some fat calories in your coffee. What are you, you doing? Some bulletproof coffee over there? Yeah, I got the coffee. I got coconut, coconut milk. Uh, we have this like chocolate ghee right now. Mm. It's Whoa. just like dessert. Chocolate ghee. Oh, it's insane. Chocolate <laughs> ghee, and then I've been Mudwater. You guys know that company? I've heard of it. Yeah, they're like a they're like a coffee replacement. It's basically like a mushroom powder with mm. cacao, and what? I don't think it's intended to put into coffee, but I load it up into my coffee. So, nice. Yeah. That's that's the drink there, and then I've been doing the uh, magnesium. Get real, get real particular, right, with your coffee in the oh, morning. It's my thing. It's my. It's and like, then if you don't have like one of the ingredients, you're kind of upset, right? You're kind of bummed. I transition. Like oh, it's okay. like right now, I'm doing like a symbiotica magnesium in there that tastes like candy. I mean, it's like it's like a candy drink, <laughs> but supposedly it's it's super healthy. So mm. <laughs> it's like you're having this uh, dessert for breakfast. Hundred percent right? <laughs> gets me. It's literally what gets me out of bed. It's like got to go plunge and then have the coffee drink and that's all you usually have you kind of do that like as like a bulletproof coffee slash intermittent fasting kind of thing yeah i I mean it's like it's definitely calories and it's you know it's but stabilize the blood sugar after that and then um usually around lunchtime start taking something in yeah i've been getting pretty ritualistic over the years with my coffee dumping all kinds of stuff in there mct oil butter um cinnamon Protein powders. Is it change? Collagen, or it, yeah. Not the whole time. It changes all the time. Right now, in this coffee, uh, I just threw some of this uh, Bub's MCT oil powder in there. Uh, with uh, I have a salted caramel thing that I'll send you off with. It's an mm-hmm. electrolyte product. Sounds incredible. You, yeah, you're going to absolutely love it. We've been digging on it pretty good. April has uh, put that in like a, she did a salted caramel martini. Yeah, yeah, she sent me a video. Yeah, with like two, like, I don't know, two shots of vodka, some of the uh, electrolytes and something else. And she said it's fucking amazing. And that woman loves her alcohol. So you, oh, know, yeah. it's, you know it's good. <laughs> What's you know your morning good. drink? The MCT oil powder and some salted caramel. I might sometimes add protein to it. But this is actually really fucking good in coffee. It it It's hard not to drink that quickly. That's the problem. Um, so I got to, you know, just sip it slowly. Are you snobby with the actual coffee itself? Ooh, oh, no. Or are you not that bad? Let me guess, Temple. Uh, no, it's not Temple. I'm fair, <laughs> I like, thank you. Yeah. I would have guessed Temple, too. It's, it's the beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fit that, fit that description. It's single origin, organically grown. If it fits that bill, I'm in. So I think I'm ordering through Thrive right now. 
But I like the light Ooh. roast a little more, little little more hit to the body. You get weird with your food too. Like, a, like you are you sitting there looking at the uh, <laughs> ingredient list for like a half hour, or, or how's that go for you? I spend a moment. I yeah. spend a moment, <laughs> but um, I like to eat. So you're like, it's got aspartame, and I can't have it. Damn it, it's not organic. I've, I'm not that deep with it. I'm not, but I'll look. It's definitely an ingredient check. I, I sit there and like I'll flip flop. I'll be like, should I have this? I don't know. Like it has, you know, and it depends on, I don't know, what I'm practicing at the moment or what I believe in at the moment because your beliefs change all the time, right? So, yeah, I can get a little a little crazy with it sometimes. Just be like, oh, I don't think I, I don't think I should ingest this right now. Mm. The biggest thing is, yeah, it's always I get new piece of information. Like right now, it's seed oil. Like is, is that seed oil? <laughs> oh, like, boy. Oh, this no. is in everything. Like that's the you uh, know. We got an episode for you, and you won't have anything to worry about. Okay. We have like two yeah. episodes for him. Actually, that's true. Yeah. there's the debate, and then there's the other seed oil episode. Mm-hmm. We've so. had a, yeah, we've had a handful of people on the show talk about it, and you know, one guy says it doesn't matter, another guy says it matters. More recently, we had a guy on that was talking about how he doesn't think it matters that much, and he thinks a lot of the science is kind of junk science. But that set off a chain reaction of people that we know that were like, he's way off. I need to get back on the show, and I need to explain my side of the story. We're like, all right, all right. When we, do, we don't care. We just want to try to encourage people to uh, choose foods that don't allow them to overeat so easily. You know, I think that's kind of the key. If you yeah. can just, you just don't overeat. We don't have to really worry about the macros. We don't have to really worry about the micros. If you can figure out a way to get through every single day without overeating, getting some exercise in, you're probably good to go. If we can keep the body, mind, and spirit kind of intact, you should be all right. What are the cues you look for to not overeat? Because I eat a lot, and I I think I fall into that category where I do overeat. Are there certain cues within the system to... Um, Well, so when there's combinations of flavors going on is when we have a tendency to overeat. And when we start to mix uh, macronutrients together is when we have a tendency to overeat. So uh, protein by itself, very difficult to overeat. And also there's a lot of research showing that like you literally, they don't believe that you can overeat protein and cause any danger or I guess that can be disputed, but... Uh, it it doesn't even really work the same as uh, regular energy as in terms of like fat and carbohydrates. But if we take a protein and we add fat to it, like a steak or a burger, uh, you know what's what tastes better to eat a ninety six percent lean ground beef burger or a burger from In and Out? You know that's going to taste a lot better. Now take that same In and Out burger and throw some cheese on it, and now we're kind of having a party. Now if we take that same exact burger with the cheese on it and we throw uh, a bun on top of it and, and now that's absolutely amazing so the things that are going to override our ability to uh, uh, pull back from overeating um, or the things that are going to override our ability to stop prevent ourselves from overeating would be uh, just trying to have single ingredient foods the best you can and then just season them uh, in like a reasonable way you know once we start to like fry stuff or mm-hmm. once we start to mix a lot of things together is when kind of all hell breaks loose. If you just take, you know, again, like something like chicken breast, chicken breast, I don't know. Some people like it. Some people don't. Yeah. I don't really love chicken breast myself, but now if we take chicken breast and we put it in a bowl of rice, well, now it's a little more palatable. If we take chicken breast, a bowl of rice and we had teriyaki sauce, you know, now we have something that's pretty damn good. And if we also remove the chicken breast completely and put in chicken thigh, and got, now we got fat, carbs, protein, and sugar, and salt, and it, now we're just having a blast. But 
it's hard to slow down yourself eating. Like you're not going to put any of that back. Mm. You're not going to like mm-hmm. stop yourself from eating some of that. Whereas in the case of just straight chicken breast in a bowl, you're going to eat some of it. You might eat like a pound of it if you're lucky. And then you're going to be like, man, I had, I had that's way too much. Yeah, if I'm just eating some salmon that's cooked in a little butter or something, it's like I'm stopping. Mm-hmm. I'm not going back for seconds. I'm satiated pretty quick. That's a good point. And that's where we can use vegetables and stuff like that to our advantage. You can, you know, some people that are really hungry that really like to eat a lot of food, vegetables are a little bit free. As long as they're not like doused in tons of crap, then I think you're good to go. Stuff your face with protein, to be honest. Like you mentioned, the salmon's super satiating because it's mainly protein. But um, did you mention anything about fasting there or no? Yeah, he said a little bit of uh, you don't eat till like noon or something like that, right? It's like my first meal, but it's like I feel like I'm still stepping out of a fasted state by putting that much like that is fat and calories going mm-hmm. in my body at that morning in the morning drink. So, yeah. I mean, it is. Do you kind of mess with keto or low carb? Novice, yeah, mm. but it's it, it's never been like consistent enough. Like mm-hmm. I've gone through like a month window or two month window, but I've never like fully like dove into it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like my frontier is like food. Yeah, I, 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 I love food too, man. <laughs> dude. I love no. it. Yeah, I, I think the main thing that's helped me was picking up fasting a few years ago because I can eat a lot. Like I can put down a lot of food, and what fasting helped me do is it helped me get used to the feeling of hunger and not responding to it. And by consistently day by day not responding to hunger, you realize it's not that big of a deal and you realize you can push that off. So I'll eat a lot, but I'll eat a lot within one or two meals at the end of a day. Do you do like an eight-hour window, 10-hour window? Uh, yeah, eating window. I'll do sometimes do like maybe a four or six, maybe sometimes an eight. Okay. But it's like I can put down some food in that time, but not as much food as I would put down if it was like a eating from breakfast. Because if I eat breakfast – Nowadays, I have more self-control because fasting helped with that. But in the past, if I ate breakfast, the day is gone. I'm going down for 4,000 calories easy. Yeah, I don't so. like that you didn't say that you would go down on food. That's what you used to say back in the day. Like, mm-hmm. I used to go down on food hard. And it's like, well, he's Whoa. in a relationship now. Oh, <laughs> ah, very true. I had to change his language. No, I still go down on food. Yeah. <laughs> no, I still do. Oh, I okay. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's it's annoying, but like I had to track. That's the only way for me to understand how much I actually needed to eat because I was on the other side where I wasn't eating enough. But now that I have, yeah, I implement a lot of fasting, but I'll do like, um, I call it a reverse fast, even though it's not. I'll have a pretty big breakfast. So like at least five eggs or a vertical diet meal, like a, the big one. And then I won't eat anything until dinner time. And then when dinner time comes around, I eat a shit ton of food and that's usually it for the day. So I just, eat, I just eat twice and that's it. What do you notice from that? Like, uh, well, that format? Th- throughout the day, I'm not str- like reaching for food that helps. So it's just like fasting, but I'm also not even, and, and I know Mark and Seema are way past this, but even I was to a certain point too, but like, I'm not thinking like, oh, that first meal is going to be amazing because I'm not hungry at all. The, the key though, is I can't reach for even just a small snack because if I do, that fires everything up and mm. now I want food. So that's how I've been able to do it. And I've been doing it for a couple months now, and it's actually been working out really, really well. Yeah, I'm like working and lifting, and these guys are doing the same. We're in here sometimes doing multiple podcasts. Um, sometimes we'll do multiple workouts because we just we'll go in the gym and do like a couple, like an exercise or two. We'll do a podcast. We'll go in the gym, do an exercise <laughs> or two. We'll do another podcast. So there's really not a lot, like, I don't know, eating, we could eat, but it kind of slows you down too yes. much, we mm-hmm. feel like. And then, I don't know, then your mind's like, you're not as sharp and 
you're concentrating on the food. And the second that I eat, it opens up the floodgates, just oh, like yeah. Ensema said. <laughs> then I'm more hungry. So mm-hmm. I may as well push it off to the end of the day. And I think Ensema eats similar. It sounds like Andrew's eating similar now. When we eat at the end of the day, it's like an event. Mm-hmm. We get to really throw down on the food. So it, it ends up being great. Have you guys ever done like a extended water fast? Oh, no. Like three to five, yes, ten I, day. I've done a couple of fasts like that. I've done seventy-two hour. I've done a five-day uh, Walter Longo, uh, eating some pickles and olives type shit. Uh, that really was really interesting, but I, I probably shouldn't have eaten anything because that kind of made me that that made it more difficult. Yeah, it made it way more difficult just to introduce small amounts of food. And uh, I kind of was reading up on it, and they're like, you can do bulletproof coffee and stuff like that. But it actually, everything, any any calories just like, it did make it worse. Day three wasn't bad, but on day four, I didn't realize how much further I had to go on the fifth day. For like, you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of be in for six days <laughs> to complete five days, if that makes any sense. And I just mm-hmm. wasn't thinking. And so that, uh, it was it was kind of difficult, but I guess like the most that it did to me or did for me was just uh, allowed me to learn that I could take a really really giant shit because when I was done, like I filled up the whole toilet. Like once I ate, it was unbelievable. I like never seen anything like it in my life. I, I took think a you picture. sent us a picture. Yeah, it was. And that, that was picture, a plastic wrap one. Yeah, that yep. picture that was huge. That picture didn't do it justice either. It was like. Pounds. It was like literally like pounds of so food. So from one meal post breaking your fast, oh, yes. body just flushed it out. Yeah, my body's like, whoa. And it's just like, yeah. I'll like, send it to God. Adam so that he can send it. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait to see that. Yeah. But I have done, the, I haven't done 72 hours. I've done multiple 48 hours, but I have electrolytes. That's one mm. thing because I still exercise. So I can't just do pure water. I have mm-hmm. to do electrolytes. That's because if I don't, my ass is done. I still exercise during those. Um, so I don't know if it's uncommon for people not to exercise or not to do anything during those long-term fasts. But I've done a couple 96 hours, and Ooh. it's like, yeah, I, yeah, working out's not a thing. It's definitely like an internal mm. journey that's there. But it's crazy how much like food dictates the schedule in like yeah. the subconscious mind. It was always like, when's the next meal coming? And knowing I didn't have a meal, it was like, what am I what do I do during the day? Like it was like everything was always building to I'll get this work done and then I have lunch and then I get this done and then I go to dinner. It was like crazy how much food is kind of dictating and driving the show. I remember when I worked uh, at this company where we moved fitness equipment and uh, the first thing when we got to work, everyone's like, let's go pick up like a breakfast burrito somewhere. (laughs) And then as soon as we like, we're actually eating the breakfast burrito and then we're talking about where we're going to go for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Because we knew that, like, we, you know, the, the job that we were driving to, like, we knew that it's like an hour or two there, and then we'd spend a few hours working, and then it would be lunchtime. So, yeah, and then on the drive back, you're just thinking, like, man, where are we going to pick up some food for dinner, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, food is, like, it's just always on your mind. It's always there. I had a, I had a bad accident eight years ago, and with that, I broke my jaw. I was in the hospital, and it was, like, 12 days just on an IV drip. But it was crazy. You talk about shitting. Like 10 days in, I hadn't done, I hadn't taken anything. And my body was still like finding stuff to shit out. It was wow. like, I thought you shit because you ate. It was like, no, there is, your body will find something to get it out of your system. Why did you choose to do those long-term fasts, like the five-day ones? What was, your, what was your emphasis for that? Curious. Yeah? Wanted to check it out. I mean, it was kind of 
different health mentors in my life were like, you know, they had their things that they, the benefits that could be there. And it was like, cool, I haven't done this. Let's give my body a detox. Let's see kind of how it's going to scrub it, like scrub some cells out, give it a break from digestion Mm -hmm. in that process because that's such a heavy process on the body. So, um, and each one's been different. I mean, I'll go through first days, usually headaches and like kind of this, like, I want, whether it's a caffeine withdrawal or, you know, craving food. Um, second day, usually kind of a flush by the third day, it starts to get a little mentally like, Oh, this is life. This is, I drink my water and I've Mm -hmm. done a couple extended ones with bone broth, which are a lot easier. It's like nice to have that little treat and some sort of satiation. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's curiosity and just kind of challenging my body a little. Um, what what do you think you're in search of? Because you got this, uh, we'll dive into the cold plunge in a little bit, but you have uh, a cold plunge business. Sounds like you have uh, messed around with certain things in your coffee, and it seems like you're kind of poking around a, a lot of different health things. Have you uh, had moments in your life or times in your life where you weren't healthy? I've Health is always like, I mean, that's a, term there's times Mm -hmm. that i've been kind of out of alignment i've always been active Mm -hmm. i've always been i have a float you know i own float centers so float sensor deprivation tanks like really into that so you own float centers yeah we have two one in sacramento one in auburn um capital floats yeah so if you guys ever want to get in so it's like so getting that business open i got totally out of alignment i was it was my first company i'd ever started and was fully not working out Mm -hmm. diet was off so that was probably my most unhealthy time and then there was a journey to get back to some sort of homeostasis and which was comical. I'm opening the center for relaxation and, you know, embodiment. And like, you're stressed out. Oh, <laughs> just broken. And so, I mean, overall, like I've always been healthy. I think my biggest thing has always been diet. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love to eat and sometimes I lack control into like what I'm eating and how I'm eating, but in the sense of like working out and doing, you know, meditation, mindfulness, those things, that's always just kind of been in my life. Um, but always levels to improve and level up. Did you start with the float tanks or did you start with the cold plunge stuff? Started with the float tanks. So the float tanks started out of that accident. I had a really bad accident in Thailand and kind of had this, you know, brink of life flash in front of your eyes in the hospital about three weeks out there. I came back and was in a corporate job and wanted to started floating for my recovery. And really quickly, I was like, this is incredible. This is, this is my environment I want to be in. It was just so, I was in San Francisco. Um, so that was the space that I first got into kind of the entrepreneurial journey, quit my job, moved to Sacramento and started Capital Floats and then Plunge was birthed out of that with us starting the Cold Plunge company, my co-founder, Mike Garrett, who just happens to own Reboot Float and Cryo in San Francisco. Mm. We became buddies through that. COVID hit. Both of our businesses got shut down in California. We started tinkering with a Cold Plunge in his garage. And so that's when that company burst out of that, and that has grown very wow. rapidly. What have you noticed? Because like I haven't floated yet, but we had uh, Josh Emmett. Mm-hmm. He came on and he talked about how it's been beneficial for him and how he floats often. Uh, and he mentioned that like a lot of people will go in there for like hours. Like they'll maybe take some shrooms or they'll smoke something, and they'll just go and they'll sit there for hours. What does floating do for people? Because you probably know a lot about that. It is. It it varies on the person. Okay. It totally is like what you're going in for. I mean, if it's your first float and you've never 
had meditation before or just sat in meditation or done that it could be in there and you're kind of like get me the fuck out of here like i don't want to be in here like you're moving all over it's it's what's this yeah what's the sensation actually so the sensation is it's also it's like the lack of sensation like the water's heated to 93 and a half degrees so it's surface skin temperature you have 1200 pounds of magnesium in there there's so you're you're you don't really know where the body ends and the water begins you just kind of submerge in there you're truly floating like you're in outer space and then you have the option to turn the lights out and go completely. I mean, it's called sensor deprivation, but then it like your body full, your mind fully activates. And, you know, the science of it is, and this is debatable whether it's 35 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, but being in there when our two, like the exterior lobe and the, the frontal lobe are connected, that's kind of the, the chatter, the monkey mind mm-hmm. is taking place. Well, you go in the tank, what it shows over time, and they, they've demonstrated this in, in different lab settings, that that starts to separate. And so that's when you get that fully calm, blissful state, just clarity. You come out, everyone always, like, it's like float on your problems, float with what's there. And it's not so much you solve the problem, but the, the problems that don't matter subside. Uh. And the thing that actually matters is still going to be there. And then you have direction to move forward in that. So I always take big decisions I'm making, um, you know, relationship issues or anything. It's like go in there and just like let that be for a bit and then I'm coming out and I'm just so much more clear and like yeah. the bullshit. I can picture you like <clears throat> punching open the door being like, I got it, I got it. <laughs> like with a notepad, like trying to write something down real quick. Bro, that, that is totally, we got a big post float room at both spaces and we have like journals everywhere <laughs> and the things that people, I just go back there sometimes and read. It's like, I'm just like this wisdom parasite. Like I just want to be like, what, <laughs> what, what are people saying? This shit's crazy. This is so profound and calm and so it's it's the cool part of it probably have to check it a few days later and make sure it's like legit like (laughs) in the moment sometimes you might think something is amazing idea right well it's a little different than psychedelics where psychedelics you could have the experience and you write some shit after and it seems it is profound it is real in that moment and you're like you read it three days later it's like that makes no sense to me right now (laughs) i'm glad i didn't tell anybody this idea (laughs) bro i've I've purchased so many url domains when i was like oh this is a great idea so i went the domain i've purchased like 10 that's awesome. What have you purchased? I ain't gonna go into it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep that shit to myself. Are they dot coms? Are they dot org? They're dot coms. They're okay. dot coms, but like, yeah. Dot edu. <laughs> <laughs> I think an interesting thing about a float tank, and I've never had, I've never done it, and uh, I, I'll, I'll definitely take you up on it. Sounds a little, sounds a little scary to me, which is great. You know, I, I probably, I probably could use a dosage of that. I think you know, our our brain is always trying to like problem solve, and so. Uh, even like, you know, there's a reason why we have all these senses, the reason why we have these eyes and, and these different senses. And what you're mentioning is that there's, it's kind of like pulling a lot of that away from you. And I think what happens is I think your mind gets kind of scrambled by that. You know, if you remember when you're a kid and you're like, uh, you know, trying to play tag in the dark or something like that, it's like pretty, you can't see anything. So you're disoriented. You're, you're like unorganized for the first time. You don't know where the walls are. You don't know where things are. And so I'd imagine you're just floating. You probably get so relaxed that you kind of forget almost like what you're floating in and probably don't feel any of that. And then to like not have any gravity on you and not have any like, cause there's like there's some weight to gravity no matter how healthy your body is i could stand here right now and i can feel that like my right knee is a little bit different than my left knee or you shift your body back and forth and you shift your body back and forth because like one thing is getting tired or bugging you or whatever i'd imagine in this that like so much of that is probably pulled away 
Mm-hmm. And now what are you left with? You're left with your own thoughts. That, Good luck with that. <laughs> it's a radical thing in this day and age to do nothing. Like it's naturally you just want to yeah. jump into, oh, I need to do this. I have to do that. And it's like to be your pain for 60 minutes where you're actually doing nothing. Like that is very different than what the common space is in, in society. Absolutely. And like doing nothing, but also just like listening to nothing. Because mm. whenever we have our downtime, if we're just driving, it's either music or a podcast or maybe a book. And then when you get home, it's a TV. And there's always stuff going in. And there's rarely time that you don't have inputs from outside sources, if, if you're mindful of that. Some people uh, who are probably ahead of the game have those moments where they don't have anything and they can just be alone with their thoughts. But most of the time, we're just consistently inputting shit. Mm-hmm. And, it's and, wild. and there's inputs of, like you said, gravity. Like that's an input that's always there. Like whether you're sitting and you're adjusting your body and there's like mm. these subconscious cues that are happening where you get in the float tank and it's like, it's the best environment to strip as much external stimuli and external inputs that there is in the world. It's the best environment to go in and truly just be with yourself, which is a powerful and beautiful thing. Yeah. Haven't people like gone into a float tank and actually try to like learn a different language by like listening to stuff? Yeah, and I think that totally people mm-hmm. have done that. I think that stems to kind of why people try and learn languages while they sleep. It's like that oh. subconscious mind. It's like, you know, there's different brainwave states and floating's considered like the theta state. It's kind of that space. Best way to describe it is you wake up in the morning, you hit snooze on your alarm. You thought you got out of bed and you realize you're still, you're dreaming. Like you're actually, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm that's, that's where floating kind of takes you down into that brave mm-hmm. way. So for learning a language, yeah, it's a great place to like take things in mm-hmm. on a, on a subconscious level. Does it feel like it's like, for example, if you go into a float for 60 minutes, does it feel like 60 minutes or does time dilate? And when you get out of there, you felt like you were there for some weird <laughs> amount of time. First float is time be, is the, it tends to be the thing a lot of people focus on. Like, have I been in here for four hours and did the tank break and it didn't tell me when it was done? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, it goes for people to get in one breath and then they wake up and, whoa, what happened here? And it, it varies every single time. I mean, <laughs> my first two years, I literally every time thought the tank would break. Like, I was just like, they did, shit, this thing's broken. It forgot to tell me my float's <laughs> over. And every single time. And that time is a re- very interesting thing in the float tank. And what did you do for, you said you went in into the float tank to heal or to re- recover? Yeah, so I got into, well, for two reasons. I came back from my trip. I, you know, life is now precious and I want to go do everything I want to go do. And I feel just this revigorate, like revigorated for life. So I was going to Peru to work with ayahuasca. That was various back in 2013, which I didn't know anyone that had done it. And I was like, I'm going to the jungle. Um, So that year I I used floating to kind of prep my mind, Mm. body, and spirit to be like, I want to go spend some time alone. And I wasn't really into meditation at that time. So it was a new thing. And I had some neck and back issues from the accident. So I was going in for a multitude of reasons. Um, Little did I know it was going to turn into kind of my life purpose and my life path of holistic wellness and building companies that, that that's, you know, how to tap into the body. Okay. Now real quick, I'm very curious about your ayahuasca experience. <laughs> um, so I'm going to jump to the floating on psychedelics thing. Cause I feel like you've probably done that. I have. I how, have. What have you used and how is that? So preface, if you're coming to capital floats, you sign the waiver and there's no substances in the, in the, in the tank. Oh, <laughs> 
Okay. Those are and, rules. Well, you don't know if you have substances in before you go, right? <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've done a number of them. I've done, um, you know, mushrooms have been in there. Um, to be the most in- uh, cannabis, eating cannabis, to me is the most intense that's actually Ooh. in there. Mushrooms are interesting, but I feel like mushrooms are a great, like the external inputs are fun with mushrooms. It's kind of to, you know, out in nature to mm-hmm. kind of engage with with what's happening around you. Where cannabis just, when eaten with intention and like actually eaten where it's processed differently, it it can be... You want an experience? You mix that with the float tank. Woo! You get your heart rate up. My worst, my worst highs have been from eating cannabis. Like it's just yeah, fuck that. There was one basically time, eating what THC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, there was one time that like Screamo Rock was playing in my head for hours, like narrating my every action. I was with a, I was with, I was with my ex, and it's like you are going down a bad path, and it was just like playing over and over. And I'm they just were like, just telling you something. <laughs> it was bad, dude. How did it uh, end? Uh, it took a long time because I, I okay, I was a rookie. I made the mistake. This is my, <laughs> this is my second time trying edibles. Um, so I, I ate it, and after two hours, I felt nothing. So I was like, I'm two fifty. Maybe, maybe like I maybe yeah, I your body weight's it. pretty irrelevant when yeah. it comes to that shit. You know and what I mean? I, I took I took a bit more, and fifteen minutes later, I felt it. <laughs> 15 minutes later, I felt it. I felt the first dose. And then the second dose hit me, so I was fucked for like six hours. And it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> yeah. It was just like a wave. Yeah. yeah, it was tough. I had that same experience, same rookie. I was smoking weed and like playing basketball, so I thought I like knew it. Like that was my thing. I was like really into that. And then my, <laughs> my stoner friends made these brownies, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to eat that and go to the gym. And they're like, are you sure? And I ate that, and I was fully in, tapped out, like, accepted I was dying, gave the whole, like, di- wouldn't even call my parents because I was too embarrassed. Yeah. But I was like, I love you guys, pulled the blanket over my head, and I woke up. But I, I mean, it feels like everyone has that eating cannabis yeah. story. Yeah, we just had a guy on the podcast named Chris Jones, and he's, he's pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty damn well built and stuff. And somebody gave him some, like, LSD tabs, and he was like, there are tiny little things. He's like, I'm pretty jacked, so I figured I'll take a couple of them. <laughs> Famous yeah. last words. Yeah. Life-altering. He ended up like going to his girlfriend, and when he was not still high, but he ended up going to his girlfriend and telling her that he cheated on her, and huh. it was just like, uh, turned his life around, actually. But it's incredible. It, amazing that he was just like, yeah, well, you know, they're tiny. Like, what's it going to do to me? Mm. I guess a lot, right? Humbled. It's very humbling. Yeah. yeah. The ayahuasca trip you said you took in 2013. How was that? Because that's something that a lot of people are doing. And it, was, it, was it life-changing for you, life-altering, or was it just? It was, it was extremely transformative. Really? Yeah. It was, um, and psychedelics have been like a key, it's a key tool that I use consistently throughout my life. And ayahuasca, that was my first time doing it. And it was, you know. No, I knew no one at the time. I think I heard Aubrey Marcus on Joe Rogan's podcast talk about it. I was like, yeah. what the fuck is this? Like, I am curious and kind of did some research and went down. And, you know, it was, I thought I was going to go, that was when I started floating. I had this concept to open the float center. And I thought I was going to go down there and it was going to tell me like, you know, I had this concept of what psychedelics were. And it's like, it's going to tell me to quit my job. And, mm-hmm. and it was like, I got down there and it was just so like, dude, you got other work to do. We need, and it was just such a journey inside of myself and transforming relationships with my parents and just my viewpoint of who I am in the world. And it was like, yeah, it was, it was a, um, it's a, it's a radical 
I call it a medicine, and mm. it's 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 used used with intention and in the right space. It's it's a powerful thing. What are your thoughts on like? Do you think that people need to be like pushed into a corner and have some sort of uh, almost like near death experience or some sort of life altering event or situation, or they need something like psychedelics to end up with these um, like epiphanies? Like it's really hard to find them otherwise. Like you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you run or if you lift, like if you exercise, some people mountain climb, like people do these different things and they find different things. And Seema's really big into jujitsu and it's been something that has transformed his life. Um, some people will power lift and stuff like that. Do you think that people kind of they have to have these experiences in some way to really truly see like what they really are? I think being challenged is essential in the journey, and psychedelics are to me a, a place that I get to go get challenged in my in my mind, in my body. So it's like that's a that's a place to me. Getting in the cold plunge is a challenge. It's a it's a thing I can do every day. I think being in my accident was a challenge. Like so, it's like I well, the challenge is never like what we want. It's like hard in the moment. Mm-hmm. It is the thing that builds the character, and it just to me, it's a that's a that's been a truth throughout life. And so I don't, it, it varies to each person of what we need at that moment and what, you know, it, ideally, especially like psychedelics, it's like, don't go chase that, like want to do that, like be intentional about it because it is an extremely powerful thing. But, you know, I think, yeah, challenge creates resilience and creates character. And that's just it's kind of the, it's kind of human 101. Yeah, it makes me just, I, I just think about stuff like that often because I'm like, I don't know how else you could be shown these things unless you fucked up really bad mm-hmm. or you get fucked up really bad <laughs> by you know doing some of these experiences and sometimes it's, it is just challenging yourself for some people um, we know some really high level people that just uh, have done some really wild stuff where they push themselves so hard that they got themselves to this breaking point where the things that they love to do they love to do them so much that they've you know broken bones they've torn muscles they've cried over it those kinds of things and I think it's just kind of hard to really understand who you truly are, who you truly are to other people, how you're viewed. Like it's hard to examine all that. Someone could tell you a lot of these things, mm-hmm. and you can listen to a lot of great philosophers and research a lot of information. But it's like hard to have a real mirror image of yourself unless you've like dragged yourself through something. Mm-hmm. And it takes the self awareness to know what's needed at that time. Like it, it might not be to go down to the jungle and drink ayahuasca it's like you know it might just actually be getting a float tank or do something do something a little more calm and i think for me it's what's been important what i've realized is i have to bake in the challenging things or life's going to bring me the big challenge and that is a lot shittier sometimes where it's like you know if i wasn't doing the 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 subtle things in my life and this still happens i have you know total blind spots there of but Doing the doing the cold plunge every day, doing my doing the workouts, having the hard conversation with my girlfriend, like doing those things consistently. It's hard in those moments, but those micro challenges are a lot less challenging than like, oh, you got cancer, you know, or like or you know, like something you kind of, you know, however that can happen, or something in life that presents itself that's like, whoo, I kind of I I slacked there and something happened. When did you get your like? When did you start thinking about mindfulness being so important? I'm assuming it was a long time ago because you've been building businesses, even the cold, and we'll get into that. That has a big aspect of mindfulness within it. So, what got you going down that rabbit hole, and what kind of things have you discovered that are now habits within your lifestyle? 
Mm. that you maintained? I think mindfulness was a backdoor to me when I started floating. Like I went into floating kind of more for the, oh, this is super unique. I'm going to be by myself. And then it just kind of formed into I'm actually doing meditation. Like that's what's actually happening here. Um, and I would come out and be, just be more clear and, oh, this is what mindfulness is. And so it wasn't me doing the sitting in meditation every morning. And mm-hmm. that's developed because I see it as a as something I have to do. Yeah. It's, a, it's an exercise I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't – I wasn't a – yogi at a young age. This wasn't a a world that I grew up in that it just, you know, it kind of discovered of, um, you know, as a part of the process of getting to know myself. And one thing that's, that's really cool because like mindfulness is something that's getting super popular, almost Mm -hmm. somewhat trendy nowadays. And really all it is, is it just seems to be having the ability to be in the present moment and not like if your mind wanders, you notice your mind wanders, but having the ability to focus on what's happening at that time. Cause even I, myself, when, when I started, like learning about meditation a few years ago and I still have a Sam Harris's waking up app. That's what I use. I love it. Um, that actually I started meditating because I was like, I need to be able to focus better on my tasks that I'm trying to focus on. That was the main thing. Even with fasting, it was like I started it so I'd have a better ability to focus. Um, but not only did it help me just be able to be more in the present moment, but I'm now like my focus was better. So many other things. I'm more present in relationships, et cetera. Um, plays a very big role and it's such a simple thing just because we are so fucking distracted Mm -hmm. i think it gives the ability to step it like my mind i I can just i'm not my mind you know and so i could i could be quicker still lots of development there but quicker into seeing some patterns Mm -hmm. and seeing some oh like that's a really shitty thought you keep having i'm not that thought but i continuously am having that perspective of myself or yeah. it's just a way to kind of separate not make me the story that i can kind of see the story you can assess assess exactly mm-hmm. and just, you know from there you know if i want to make the change or not guys real quick based off of what uh ryan just said right there go check out our podcast episode with andrew triana mm-hmm. go super brain um again that's a sleeper episode but he's a really cool guy that knows a lot about a lot of different um supplements and stuff but as we were talking about like having using things to be able to focus better or whatever, this thing is just like continuously assess, just continuously assess your thoughts, assess why you're feeling certain ways. Cause if you can take a look at it and kind of like from a bird's eye view and assess, you'll be able to make changes. And that was the whole theme. And it's a simple ask. It's a simple thing to tell somebody to do, but if they do it, it makes a big difference. And that's essentially what you're talking about right now. Pat Roger family, how's it going? We talk about sleep all the time on this podcast. That's why we were partnered with Eight Sleep Mattresses. Now, this mattress is the Tesla of sleep. It's the Tesla of beds. Its technology tracks your heart rate, your heart rate variability. It changes its own temperature based off the way you sleep so that you get better sleep every single night. It is quite literally insane. Check them out. Andrew, how do they get it? Yes, and before I do that, I wanted to let you guys know that you can actually set the bed to wake you up silently. I know that sounds weird, but actually the bed starts vibrating around your head and it doesn't wake up the entire household the way my phone used to do back in the day. So now I just kind of have the bed wake me up silently and it's amazing. You guys got to head over to 8sleep.com slash power project. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash power project. When you guys go there, you'll see a banner across the top saying that you're going to receive $150 off automatically. So again, that's 8sleep.com slash power project to receive $150 off your pod pro cover or your pod pro cover and mattress combo links to them down in the description as well as the podcast show notes let's get back to the podcast what have you guys discovered to kind of assess and recalibrate life and look at your patterns and look at how things are doing 
for me personally, I, something I ask myself often is, uh, how does this help? How does this hurt? And like, what's the long term? You know, if you can push off, uh, if you can push off like instant gratification, usually there's some big reward. And so just like, it's really weird to say, but like just not doing stuff can be super beneficial. Like if you, uh, if you just choose not to eat poorly, you know, you, you make these choices, like not necessarily that you're so all in on your diet that you're, that you're real crazy about it. Just that you're not going to participate in making bad decisions. Uh, for me, it's been a lot easier to kind of look at things like, yeah, I do like to kind of think of like wins. I call it points on the scoreboard, having this kind of low-hanging fruit that you you end up uh, doing these small tasks throughout every single day to where you put up a couple points on the scoreboard and you can feel good about it. And so I do kind of consider that a, a win. But let's kind of face it, life can be... Uh, can be can be cha- can be really challenging to the point where you're just hoping you can make it through the day without a loss. Like if so, that's kind of my perspective. I'm not trying to be super competitive. I'm not trying to like beat everybody at everything. I just don't want to lose. I just don't want to uh, be a loser. I don't want to get into a pattern of a, like what are the what's a pattern of a coward? What's the pattern of a loser? A pattern of a coward is to talk about things that you'll never do that you're mm-hmm. not going to follow through with. So. I don't want to profess that I'm going to do something over and over and over again and not follow through with it. Um, but I also am not trying to have these expectations of myself that are so high that I feel like a loser every day. Mm. So those are kind of the things that I try to I try to examine. And it's taken me a long time. I'm 45 years old, but I started kind of understanding that about 10 years ago or so. Love that that gap right there between like how do I what's achievable like and actually go for something and equally like not just speaking shit and just not doing it right yeah I guess for me uh, there's a concept that like I I I love on the podcast is this I just want to be like an eternal student have a white belt Mm -hmm. mentality so like whenever people come on I take what's useful and I just leave what's not the main question I always ask myself is how can this serve me or how does this serve me um, because uh, I think a cool thing from having so many different people on is I've realized I don't know shit mm. like I may know quite a bit in a certain realm but there's a lot of shit that I don't know and I'm actually really happy about that because all of us here are in a constant understanding that we can learn so much more and we can develop like that's why this is fun because we're learning things that we're then able to just bring to the audience and that's what we do that is that is it we just ask questions we learn we use it we have benefit from it and we give it to the audience so i'm just consistently assessing does what is what is serving me here does this thought process serve me does this habit that i'm building serve me um and if it's not i do my best to try to get rid of it over time i also think uh, everything's a skill set too you know so to expand upon what he's talking about you know us absorbing you know stuff that people bring we sometimes will hear because we have so many different types of guests on and especially like in the nutrition space um it becomes like a religion and then people get mad and it's like man i think you made a big mistake in getting mad because you missed a lot of great information from that person so we try to we try to absorb and then uh try to implement some of the stuff we've had the knees over toes guy here before and there's been a bunch of people that have been impactful to where uh, we're implementing some of the stuff that they, uh, re- some of the stuff that they recommend, almost every single day. And it's not we're not doing it because they were here. We're not doing it because we did a collaborative video together. We're doing it because we started to do it, and it's actually working. It's yielding good benefits to us. It's yielding good results. So, 
Um, I think everything kind of comes down to like a skill set. Like a, a good example of, of that is that if somebody wanted to come in here and fight, um, I'm strong and I, I know how to box and stuff, but like, I'm probably going to be really nervous. I haven't been to fight like in a really, really long time. Like who, who does combat, who, who tangles with people often? It'd be this guy. So I would imagine that if someone was to come in here all fired up and pissed off, he would, because he has a skill set for it, because he practices it, he'd be like, okay, we'll just, I'll just break your arm. (laughs) (laughs) He's really calm and, and really humble. So he would never say or do anything like that. But you know, I, I I think about those kinds of things often, and and think about you could go through life and just panic and uh, just never be prepared for stuff, and just pretend that none of these things are ever going to happen. Or you can investigate them, and you can learn a skill set on it. Mm-hmm. You can learn anything. There's no there's no limitations on what you can learn or what you can know, and even to some extent, what you can do. What you can do physically has some limitations, but. You can certainly be a lot better than you are currently. Yeah, I'll echo everything they said, especially the white belt mentality thing. Like even like I'm still learning so much, especially from these two guys every single day. But you can go back like, I don't know, six years ago. And I was so sure of so many different things. It's so silly. But another thing is also like I asked really dumb questions. Mm. So we have access to access to so many amazing people. Like it would be silly for me to ask you like, uh, isn't a cold plunge cold? Like, well, no (laughs) shit. But instead of asking more deeper, complex questions to get those answers. And then when I get those answers as a recovering pessimistic, this is something that's been huge for me is just believing in your answers, not going and Googling and figuring out why you're wrong. That has been mm. the biggest change for me. Mm. So like right now, like I was showing you guys my Seiza chair, I'm sitting on a kneeling chair. Like previous me would have gone and figured out why those two things are bullshit <laughs> just to be like, oh, those guys were wrong or no, this is actually the better chair. Now I'm just like, nope, that's, that's actually it. And the reason why is because I'm going to go in and try it. And if it doesn't work for me, then, oh, then it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. So again, like what Nsimo was saying, we actually implement these things ourselves, whether they work or they don't, then we keep them or they stay. You know, it's not whether or not I'm going to go Google some shit about how somebody had a bad experience. Uh I'm going to believe it, believe in it wholeheartedly because you told me, but also I'm not going to just ignore my experience Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to base my experience on someone else's experience. Man, that's such good self-awareness on your part to like know that pattern of like what, Mm -hmm. what caused the recognition of that? Oh, just, well, uh, honestly, like fairly recently, um, like, I don't know, you guys seen like a bunch of things over here again with the Seiza chair, I've gone like 15 years with back pain. I've tried numerous things, but I've never like fully dove in because I've always been like, ah, this probably works for this person, but it's not going to work for me or something along those lines also. But this goes for everything. When somebody would tell me about a new supplement or something, I would Google and figure out why that's wrong instead of just being like, all right, I'll try it mm-hmm. and then going with it. And then so like, that's what it is right now is like, I'm going f- full in on this Gota stuff. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's, um, it's just like, it has a lot to do with like my posture and how I walk and all kinds of other things. Uh, it's a lot of things actually, but I'm going all in believing that this is going to help me in my back mm-hmm. as opposed to before, you know, I've worked with Stuart McGill, who's considered like the absolute best back person you could ever see. And even after him, I'm just like, ah, it's like, maybe that's not going to work for me. Just even at letting that little question come in was enough to 
cause like a chain reaction, like a, and SEMA calls it a mind virus, or we got it from Gad Sad, I think. Gad Sad. A yep. mind virus, right? That will just multiply inside my head and be like, nope, that's now true. Because something that I've been saying recently, if if I Google something, then that's now true. Like if somebody has a negative experience, that's true. If I never look at that Google search, it's still true, but it's true for me now. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Hundred like, percent. I mean, it's, you're you're talking about getting to belief. Like yes. it's like, how do we get to a spot? Like, what's the process to get where we internally believe something? Yeah, absolutely. And where the attention goes, that's that's going to be the action. Yep. So if your back's all the things that's fucking wrong with healing your back, you're never going to have a good back. Exactly. And so it's that's that's a fat to me. That's like the the crux of it all is mm-hmm. like, how do we get to what what we believe in? Yeah. Cold therapy. What's it doing for people? Man, what's it not doing? No, <laughs> it's um, man, it's a uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a practice that varies. I liken it to floating. There's so many people that come out of a cold plunge and have different experiences they're talking about. For me, what it's doing is you know, I, I do it's a practice every single morning. I go through my process where I watch my mind come up with excuses. I don't want to come in, you know, whatever the reasons are, oh, you, you know, whatever. Every morning it's a new story. And so I see that, okay, cool. That's a natural pattern you have to kind of before discomfort, you, you tell yourself these stories. I do it. I have my experience. My mood is com- immediately shifted. I'm out. I feel like it's a full acceleration for my body or for my morning. Like I, I, as opposed to taking an hour to go kind of get into my flow, 15 minutes. I'm there. I'm, I'm focused. I'm ready to go. And just a connection to my breath. It's a, it is again, we were talking about putting ourselves in challenges. It's an artificial environment that is going to spike your adrenaline. So normally we have very scary moments in life that adrenaline comes in and it's tough to respond to that. Or it's, 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 a, it's a challenge and it's not a chosen ad- adrenaline dump where the cold plunge is a manufactured environment that will get your heart rate spiked. You're going to come up with a story of why you need to get out, hypothermia, I can't breathe, all the things. And it's just a story and you connect to your breath and you start to slow, lower your heart rate. And it's like a gym for your nervous system. Yeah. So you're actually tearing it down, tearing your nervous system into throwing it for a whack and it comes back and you can calm it down. So to me, those are like the main things that I love about it. Um, and what other people are getting out of it, you know, it's, it's a, um, you know, it, it's a, I think from a mitochondria standpoint, that, that wants to be challenged a bit. We want to put ourselves in extremities for that. And that's mm-hmm. so the energy that comes from there. Um, you know, Rich Froning is a massive partner of ours. Rich loves it post-workout. He swears by it for his sleep recovery. He says his sleep has, since he's had the plunge, is just night and day difference. Well, he does it before bed? He does it before bed, but he also likes to do it after workout, hmm. which is kind of a thing for some people that are really into lifting. Some mm-hmm. Potentially, there's it could minimize some gains a bit into what that is, but... Yeah. But I also think for the, on that front, like for like Rich, Rich is working out every single day. Recovery is more important. Multiple impor- times. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. So recovery is probably the most important thing that he's doing. So to as opposed to I'm going to max my gains, it's mm. like, no, I need to show up and do this two times tomorrow. Rinse and repeat. So the plunge is actually more important to keep him consistently going and being more sustainable in his workout. So that's a, that's a unique one. Um, you know, it's just it's this mental – you become a badass. I mean, you know it, you do it in the morning yeah. and you get out after and you have a new belief in yourself. And it's just, and then you do that consecutively for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Like it compounds and it's pretty magical what, what comes out of it. A chosen stress is an interesting way of wording it. You know, and that's, 
a lot of exercises that way, mountain biking, lifting weights, you know, all these things they're they're things that people choose to do and I think that maybe we don't even understand it because we a lot of times we gravitate towards these physical activities when we're really young. Uh but maybe we underestimate how strong they are, the po- the power of these things. You choose these stresses and there's some positive and negatives to it, just like the interpretation of anything and uh, that you kind of view stressful. But it, when you're working, when you're dealing with other people, um, when you're in a relationship and these other stresses hit you, uh, you don't have money to pay your rent or your mortgage. Um, your uh, your car broke down and it's 1500 bucks to fix it. And just things are just kind of sliding downhill for you. A lot of what we found, a lot of what we've seen is there's some people that are so into bodybuilding or so into powerlifting, mm. they just, they might leave their car on the side of the road and figure out a way to Uber to the gym the next day or ride their bike to the gym. Um, we know people that like slept in their cars and like all kinds of crazy things because they can't like overly concern themselves with with those other things. They don't allow those stresses to really negatively impact them. And so... I think the exercise, and even in this case, this is like a, it's 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 an end exercise, but it's not what you would typically think of exercise. But it's it is exposing you to some stress. It is a challenge. Your heart rate is going to go up. You're going to burn a lot of calories. It's going to do a lot for your metabolism as well, because as Insema was saying, like he'll be over here like shivering mm-hmm. for hours. Uh, yeah, for yeah, yeah a podcast. Yeah, and, and that's after how many minutes of doing a cold plunge? Three. <laughs> Freaking Adam over here has done a ten minute cold plunge. I only do it for usually three minutes, but like I'll do it in the morning. Three minutes. I'll get out. I'll take a warm shower for like five minutes. I'll come here. I have a sweatshirt on. I'm still like this for a little bit with the heater right behind me um, until about noon. So that mm. it, it like if you think about the metabolic effects, people have talked about how it helps actually burn brown fat. Um, but the metabolic effects last for mm. a while. Mm-hmm. I've been, that's not even the reason I do it, but that's a nice little yeah, you're plus. burning extra calories. Yeah, totally. And on the stress front, it's like we like stress is gonna, our body's going to res- stress is stress. It's just the narrative that's outside that our body interprets it at. But it's like the more we get comfortable with a stressful environment, mm-hmm. we're going. The body will naturally respond in a way to stress in a more rational, calm, mm-hmm. calm sense. The nervous system, it, it's, it's all the same. Whether my car broke down or I'm getting in a cold plunge or like someone's yelling at me, it's all this. It's my body's responding. It's the same exact mechanism internally. Mm-hmm. It's just how we get used to that. Get comfortable with our body having that response. If you go into the cold water and the first thing you do is scream, does it help make the temperature any warmer? <laughs> if you go in the water, you know, and the first thing you do is overreact and cry, does it help at all or laugh? Or I think it gets more challenging the more you resist it. Yes. Um, to me, the process <sighs> is, I right now where it's at is I have this mantra that I'm going to heat this water up. Like I want to attack this water and like I'm going in and this is going to turn into a hot tub. And I go in and I like to dunk my head immediately. Like I mm. want to go in and get as much as cold as possible. So I realize I've found doing the hardest part first. It just I come out. It actually feels warmer now. I connect to my breath quicker. Like, but the more your shallow breath, the more you want to scream, the more it's. You're you're sending a signal. The body's sending a signal, and your nervous system's out of whack. You're not going to be able to lower that heart rate. So, um, but some of that's just you know that's a natural reaction yeah. to being in, in a 
in a stressful environment. I, I, I want to echo something that you said because, for example, we were talking about fasting, getting the repetition mm-hmm. of feeling hungry and not responding to that hunger by grabbing for food. And now you have self-control with a hunger. skill set for a you. skill set. The plunge is like a repeating – it's like repeatedly getting yourself into a very stressful environment and then having to calm yourself down. Because if people uh, like when I've gone to the plunge at Asha and I've watched people um, or I've had my, my like people use my plunge. Um, if you go in there and you immediately start going, <laughs> it's hard as hell and they mm-hmm. have to get out after mm-hmm. 20 seconds because they can't take it. But if they purposefully start to control their breath and slow themselves down, calm themselves down from being in an excited state, you could even watch the heart rate go down on a watch. It's a repetition of calming yourself down under a really uncomfortable stress. Now think about how if you do that on a daily basis, how that can then link to how you react to stress on a daily basis, how you react to your girlfriend doing something or a bad call from work or whatever. You know now, literally, you know how to use your breath to calm yourself down and assess the stressful situation that's at hand. And that's a crazy thing right there. It's awesome how useful it is on the mind front. That to me is the biggest thing that, it, that it's there for. It, it is kind of reprogramming our relation to stress. Mm-hmm. And it, at first it's like, oh, it's, it becomes a feeling you get a little used to. And then it's just second nature. And then it's like you're even more comfortable with it. And then you, you know, cold plunging is kind of like a, a workout in its own right. You got to switch it up. Sometimes you get too comfortable with it. It's yeah. it your body kind of knows the mechanism to do it. So you got to change the temp, change the time, maybe do a different structure of getting in, getting out. So there, there's ways to play with it to kind of keep your nervous system quite like, you know, how do I how do I respond to this? And last thing, um, Andrew Huberman is a big lover of like cold plunging, and he mentioned something on his podcast, and he's made a post about it. How it's actually one of the cures for procrastination. And when you think about what actually happens, he has this term limbic friction. When you today, this morning, I'm, I'm gonna admit it. I was a pussy. I didn't go into my <laughs> plunge because it's one of the coldest days in Sacramento history. Okay, it's like 37 degrees outside. Um, so I went out there, 26 this morning. 26. Hey, man, there we go. But I went outside. I stood in front of it. I had limbic friction. So I was like, "Mm, mm." I walked back in, right? But what you'll notice is that as I plunge often, if I get used to doing it every single day, there's less procrastination it takes to go and plunge. All right, go and do the hard thing. But from there, there's then less procrastination to do all the other hard things that I or anyone else that's doing this needs to do during the day. That's why Huberman calls it a cure for procrastination. Because if you can get yourself to do this hard thing, every other hard thing's actually kind of easy. Totally, you're saving you're saving time. I, I that is the thing that's. One B, why I do it. My morning just speeds up. Mm-hmm. Like it's like because I'm in doing the thing that matters. Yeah, and I'm not kind of okay. I'm going to make my coffee. I'm not lagging around. I'm not checking Instagram. It's kind of mm-hmm. I'm back. I'm feeling good. Cool. I want to go get to that email I've been wanting to get to. I want to go make that phone call I need to get to. So it feels like an acceleration. Like I'm I'm time traveling. Yeah, I think Wim Hof uh, started getting into it. He I believe he went into a pond after his wife died. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, I think he has four children. And so he utilized it for a really stressful situation. Um, he, I think he recognized that when he got out that one particular day that he felt better. I don't know what called to him to do that in the first place, but a lot of people are utilizing it for uh, things like anxiety and depression too, right? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely, a, a, I think that's a huge frontier of where it's going. It's not something that I got into for, for that, but we're noticing people that are, New York Times just had an article out three days ago completely on cold therapy and the mental health anxiety oh, wow. depression side. So that, you know, massive. Um, but yeah, that, that is the, it's, you know, to put in two to three minutes on it 
it's still a hard thing to do. So it does take something to get into it, but it's a short time to get that ROI on getting that, getting your body to get those endorphins, get the dopamine, like actually feel, okay, cool. Like a new perception, switching your perception for a moment. And usually it takes going for a hard run or, you know, and that's when you're depressed, like the longer it is, the gap to get to changing your, like a sweat, getting a sweat on or doing something like that is like Mm -hmm. the the less likely it's going to happen. And so if you have something that's like, if I just get in there and do 10 breaths, like you got a shot to switch your perception and kind of have it have an opportunity to change the momentum of where you're at with your with your mental health. Have you done any cold plunges where you got out and you felt way worse? No. Yeah, it's kind of like taking a shower. That's something I recommend to people often too. Is just because it's something that's quick and easy to do. It doesn't. You don't have to be thirty minutes into it to start to feel the effects like you might with like a workout or something like that. And it's almost all of us have are fortunate to have access to it. Mm-hmm. Just. And for me, my body's kind of stiff, and so getting that hot water on me can really help. The interesting thing about cold therapy, when I've done some cryotherapy and I've done some uh, cold uh, plunging as well, um, when I've done it, I actually notice that my body, because your body's kind of fighting off how cold it was, that you get warm, and it, in my opinion, it feels similar to like getting out of a hot tub, which mm-hmm. at first you're cold and you're like, this sucks kind of thing. But once your body starts to get warm, you're like, oh shit, I can move around really good. And you can like go from, you know, kind of hobbling out of your bed to like running up and down the stairs. hundred percent. We were at, we were at Kelly Starrett's house a couple months ago. And he, Name dropper. <laughs> well, I dropped Kelly because Kelly is doing the He's most. He's our boy. He's the man. Love Kelly. And Juliet, and they, he's doing active workouts with the plunge. So his thing is assault bike. Like oh, we, yeah. Do, yeah. we do a minute plunge in 39 degrees, and then we're out and we're 30 seconds max, wow. max on the assault bike back huh. into the plunge. And it was crazy, I mean, man. Because what you're doing is you're going from the heat to the cold, so you're warming mm-hmm. your body up. So the blood flow, your body's just completely, it, it's fun, it's euphoric. I don't quite know what it's doing. You can talk to Kelly on that one. But it was an incredible workout. So incorporating movement into the process is, is I mean, it's essential too to kind of warm the body up, keep the blood flowing because that's, you know, you're restricting blood vessels when you get into the plunge, but then you get back out and you want to kind of open that back up. It's going opposite of uh, Laird Hamilton, who's like <laughs> exercising in a sauna that's like 200 oh, degrees or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's what nice. I was going to ask because like in the mornings, I'll do like probably like 45 minutes of groundwork where I'm stretching and doing all kinds of things. So like... I'm just thinking in my head, like, okay, when would I be able to implement this? Because I'll I'll do that and work out or swap it around. Like, it, it doesn't always happen where I work out and stretch at the same or on the same morning. But I'm always doing one of them, and I know like what Insimo was saying. Like, if you plunge after a workout, it could hinder some gains. Or you mentioned it as well. But then I'm like, okay, what if I do it right when I get out of bed? I'm mm-hmm. like, but then I'm gonna go do stretching. Like in my head, I'm thinking everything's gonna be so tight. I don't know what's going to happen. So is that like, based off of what Mark just said, you know, is that something that like where I could implement something like that? Totally. I mean, I, I do, I get out of my bed, I do a meditation and then I go, I spend about 15 minutes doing stretching, kind of moving the body. And then I get right to the plunge because mm-hmm. I like to do it right before I'm going to my day. Like it's kind of my last thing to get my shot of espresso and let's go do the things in the world. Yeah. So that's, you know, that would be my recommendation, but everyone's different. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing. It's like, we get asked for our protocols all the time and it's the, the real, ex, it's the exploration of yourself and mm-hmm. kind of what works for you. So post-workout's a great time to do it too. I mean, I think the gains part of it, unless you're 
a world class mm-hmm. bodybuilder or you know not even that it's like there there's other guys like I think it is so important on the recovery side that it doesn't it it, it kind of offsets the the, yeah. the um the the potential of of stunting the the mm. muscles and the what comes mm-hmm. post-workout you know what yeah i think it's because like the first person i heard that from was a uh, chad chad wesley smith after he there's some research that's done on like how blunts inflammation how inflammation is good but yeah you're right if you're not someone because it may blunt a little bit of that right and it may hinder that but the re, if you can get up recover and have a better workout the next day potentially because because like i notice whenever i do jujitsu my body's usually pretty beat up when i plunge i feel great the next morning like i I, more research does need to be done on the recovery side because i noticing like when i have like little pains in my lower back or anywhere and i plunge i always feel better so there's a lot going on there but it probably unless you're someone who's like focused on building Mm -hmm. as much muscle as fast as possible it's probably not that you end up with like a a net positive right yeah yeah it's a longer game it's sustainable it's yeah that's Mm -hmm. i I agree to that i think uh andrew i think it might be like a good uh, i mean first of all try to mix it in wherever you can you know like whatever you're going to do is going to be the best recipe right right? but i think maybe when you get home from here might be a good idea you know when you get done with this this day and you you go in the you kind of say like all right going in the cold plunge before i eat anything then cold plunge shower eat probably sleep like a baby that yeah Mm -hmm. and some people like the nighttime i'm not quite the nighttime that's Mm -hmm. that's what but my girlfriend she loves that's she tends to get warm, and she actually gets in the plunge, and then she sleeps great. Um, so some people really like the nighttime one where it's, it mm. actually calms them down before they go to sleep. There's a lot of different type of cold plunge or plunging type products, right? I've seen something like a barrel. Uh, but the cool thing, if you could talk to us about the cool things about the cold plunge specifically, because it, first off, it looks dope, uh, but it felt like it filters itself. Like it keeps the water clean. You don't need to continue emptying the water out all the time. Um, but Along with that, do you shower after you cold plunge? I'm not sure. Like, I usually do, but do I need to? So I do. But okay. my co-founder, Mike, that guy will go like a month without showering. Pause. <laughs> Pause. What? Yeah. He, he smells fine. It works. But no, that's his thing. He's like, I cold plunge and I'm good. Like, and so... No, so, one, no one should use his cold plunge. No one should share his cold plunge Yeah, it's a personal him. cold plunge. <laughs> Shout out, Mike. Um so I take a shower after, but I'm like lily pads in it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Not with that filtration system, you're good to go. No, that that is the cool part about it is the it's on demand. You know, it's it's like it's already hard enough to get into cold and to go get ice and do the things and set up your set up your bathtub or your you know your trough or whatever you're using. Yeah, you want less steps in the process, and so the cold is you get to pick your temperature so you can start out. You know, we recommend everyone 55 to 60 when you're starting out. Just mm-hmm. get used to it. That's cold. Might not sound it, but that's cold. And so get your body acclimated to that. So it's just, it's an on-demand option. Um, you talked about the aesthetics. That was really important to us. We, yeah. we say it passes the wife test. It's one of those mm-hmm. where it doesn't have to live in the garage. It can be a showpiece in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a huge part of it. Yeah, that, that's it there. Um, so yeah, we, and we have the option that can turn hot. So you can, you know, and that's for our... People that are in extremely cold environments, you can upregulate the temperature, turn it into a hot tub. But uh, it's simple, man. It, it just plugs into a regular outlet, takes about 20 minutes to set up, fill it mm-hmm. up with a hose. And then, you know, my water I haven't changed in five to six months. Oh, wow. And it's just there. Um, you okay. know, it's minimal maintenance on it. So it's, it's a, 
It's regular plug, you said. So it's not like, you know, because sometimes hot tubs need mm-hmm. a special outlet or whatever. It's a 110 outlet. We, it needs a GFCI outlet. So that's a GFCI outlet is what you see right there. It's basically mm-hmm. the test reset button. It's, mm-hmm. for, it's for water. You'll find it in most bathrooms or outside. Um, and yeah, it just plugs in and then it's all self-contained. It goes through the filtration process on the chiller. You can change the temperature. Um, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you to like get this thing like off the ground? Like it's, this has got to be, that's got to be tough to make a product like that. It's been a challenge, man. It's been, um, you know, Mike and I, Mike was the inventor of it. He had moved to Sacramento and, you know, we did, our businesses were shut down and he started to invent this and we were really into this and he was like, started working on it and, you know, he came to me and was like, do you want, what do you think? It took me a little while to kind of be like, and then about, you know, a month or two later, I was like, yeah, let's do it, man. So we did it and we were like, let's just sell them to our float centers. Like, let's just email our, let's email Capital Floats. He emailed Reboot and we're like, we'll sell 20 of these. We can do 20. And we just, we named the company, the company's name Plunge. It's actually super confusing because our domain is thecoldplunge.com. So everyone's mm-hmm. like, are you guys cold plunge? Are you the cold plunge? Are you plunge? Our name is Plunge, but the domain is thecoldplunge.com. And we just, we, our SEO came out of the gate really, really good. So we just started getting people all over the country, started hitting us up all over the world. Like, can I buy a plunge for you? Thinking we were, thinking we were something when it was him and I in the garage, just building these things, <laughs> like awesome. tripping over each other and like... You know, his wife was so cool to allow it. We just, like, his neighbors hated us because we had so much, <laughs> like, boxes and, and, you know, all the things that were going. But then it, it grew really quick. Um, we're in our, like, fourth facility here in Sacramento, and this is in, like, 17 months. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a real challenge. And, you know, I don't come from a production background, manufacturing background. We build them all here in Sacramento. They're all built in the States. So, you know, coming into this world with supply chain, being a mat, like, you know, I know no different, but it seems that this is a unique period of time in supply chain issues. So securing our, you know, inventory, building a team, um, scaling it, growing it, it's been, it's been a super challenge, but it's challenges we, it's the challenges we want to face because it means we're growing and it means there's an interest for this. And that's, yeah. that's Mike and I's like, it's, that's what's fun is like, we, like this is our lifestyle and we, we love it. Along, like, I'm really curious about this because having multiple businesses like this, what was your background in terms of building businesses? What did you, what got you into that? I I never, never (laughs) really thought of that. Um, It's always been curiosity. So it's always been like, I, you know, I got into floating because I love floating. It's like, I want to share this. Like it's never been, I don't know. I'm sure I have some like autonomy aspect of myself that I just want to kind of work for myself and do that and be mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, the creator of what I'm working on. I think that's always been there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really come from like, these things matter to me and there hasn't been them or like, there was no float center in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So it was like, cool. I want to do, I want to move back to Sacramento and I want to start this. I believe in this. No one, this was back in 2014 when I moved up here. Yeah. No one even knew what floating was. Like, it was like a concept that I said floating. It's like, what? Like root beer floats? Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I get really excited on something that's changed my life like how many more people can i introduce this to yeah and giving them the option and cold plunging was that as well like now it's kind of a you know we're talking about it and it's a, it's more of a common conversation but even 18 months ago there it's why we got into it. there was no product on the market that like even you know it's still an expense for it's ours is five thousand dollars for the unit but everything else was ten thousand fifteen thousand or more yeah and so we were like how do we make this at a place that there's got to be a way we were like why are it 
has no one done this to make like an afford like mm. more or less of an affordable product that we feel is just as quality as everything else. And so mm-hmm. it took us some time, um, you know, to kind of be like, whoa, it seems like no one's doing this. But that that to me is what's there. It's the curiosity. It's like a, a curiosity. I want to just I fucking love it and I want to share it. I never really thought about it. That's a savage answer, by the way. <laughs> it is. What made you get into that? Like I don't know. Just just decided to do it one day. Um, what's your background? Um, like what were you doing previously, and and maybe what gave you the confidence to try something like this? Is it? Uh, something from your parents or grandparents or a mentor somewhere along the line or something like that? I do think about that one. Um, I think first my parents, they, they're they not entrepreneurs. They, this is not their, but they had the same job, same house, Like, but they loved me. Like, I'd never take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like, I, I never questioned if I was loved. And so that I think has been, I've never had to work through that. Like, I just know I'm loved. And so my parents on that front. And then, I always I, I left right after college and moved abroad, and that was just a. It got me out of the kind of the normal process of what my background was, and you know, growing up in kind of middle class, go to college, do the next thing. Like I just got out of that for a moment and got to kind of look like what what do I want to do? What's important to me? So that was you know, moving, I, I, traveling. I think is one of the greatest things to do for an extended periods of time, getting outside of our current culture and seeing how things are different. So for me, that was moving abroad and kind of being like, what do I love? And I found, and then I loved soccer. I grew up playing soccer. Mm. So I moved back to the States and got involved in major league soccer. And so that was like the thing that I wanted to do. And I got, you know, had great mentors in that organization that I was at. And, you know, that gave me confidence to be like, oh, I can go be a creator. I can go, because major league soccer at the time was kind of this cool startup. It wasn't, as it's still getting more established, it wasn't, we were still, there was a long way for the the league to go to be established. So what uh, year was that, by the way? I joined in 2011. Okay. So it was with the San Jose Earthquakes. They hadn't moved to the new stadium. I remember the office I came into, it was like, you know, the president, the GM are in there, and I'm just like in a cube, like right next door. It's like this tight. It, it felt like, cool, we're, and we're all passionate about soccer. Everyone mm-hmm. like grew up like, we want to make this sport cool in this country. We want to like grow this. So it felt like I was in this startup of, but with like a very team first organization, great mentors, and you know that so being in that organization for a few years gave me confidence to um and probably a little bit of like confidence and a, and a thinking a bit of arrogance to think I could go start something yeah. like I think you need a little bit of like this arrogance and just enough confidence to keep going because mm-hmm. it's it's fucking hard to you know start a company and, and do the thing so yeah I, I credit those my parents and and traveling abroad as far as the plunge is concerned now, um, there's one you mentioned that's heated, but you also mentioned that there's a big one, like a, like a plunge, or I don't know if Adam told me, so there's a plunge XL. Plunge XL. <laughs> what is, so what's it meant for, like, like strong men types, like 300 pounders, 400 pounders? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's something that's come in for our taller, larger customers. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot in the pro sports space are, are entering in, so you're getting, you know, offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, 6'10 basketball players. Mike, our co-founder, 6'6. He fits in our standard plunge, but he kind of was like, I would just love to be fully like yeah. extended in the new one. So that was a big factor of of launching the XL. So that's that's available now. Where it ha- I don't even know if it's hit our website yet because we're going through some marketing stuff, but mm-hmm. that's that's our newest thing that we're, we'll be launching. And you have one that heats up? I was going to say, how hot does the one that warms up get? 103. Oh. Or four. How quick will it go back and forth? It varies between the hot and cold, but it's like eight to 12 hours, mm-hmm. depending on the type. So you can kind of step away, like 
there are some people that do it. I'll do the hot tub at night and I'll do the cold plunge in the morning and you switch it back and forth. Um, it's also for if you live in South Dakota and or even Sacramento right now and it's so cold and your cold plunge just keeps lowering down, but you want to be plunging at 50 degrees, you can upregulate the temperature. Yeah. I got to say, as far as like, because I, I try to figure out everything I can do just to increase my athletic longevity, recovery, et cetera. Um, this has been one of the, this has been like the best recent addition to everything that I do as far and mentally too, like physically it's amazing. I fucking love it. But mentally that continuous every single day, little hit of physical stress. Mm. Um, it's a, it's a game changer. You know, it's, it's something that most people are going to hear that and be like, oh, it's whatever. I could just take a cold shower or something. But it's really fucking different. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's, and I can't wait for more because re- I think, like you mentioned, more research is going into that space of like really cold therapy. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, I think people are going to discover a lot about it. And who was the guy we had on Mike that beat Winhoff's record of sitting in a cold McCastle? Mike McCastle. Have you heard of him? I haven't. Oh, I didn't even man. know his record got. That's the problem. Guys, like he's, he's such a know. fucking savage, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike's nuts. He had me. Uh, like How long put, did he go real quick? Like two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. You gotta check. I'll pull it up. Yeah. He had me uh, putting my hands in like ice and like doing these like workouts and stuff. It was pretty, pretty crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I'd love to, yeah, I'll look into him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he has something called the 12 labors guys. You got to just go check out that podcast, but he just does really hard things. He broke David Goggins pull up record. He <laughs> took a, he put a truck with like a, a weight oh, vest too. Yeah. With a weight vest. And it like wasn't even close. Like he fucking destroyed, he destroyed it. it. <laughs> With a weight vest, just like yeah. fuck it, I'll wear a weight vest. Yeah, yeah, he's um, not all there. <laughs> <laughs> the dude, uh, I think, through the Sahara, he took a truck and he pulled a truck the length of a marathon through a desert. Um, and he he's like rope climbed the, the length of Mount Everest. Um, wow. Mike is a Mike is a different breed of human being. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he broke Romhoff's cold record, which no one has broken other than him. So incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like no footage of it. That's why it's like ridiculous. But How long uh can you hang out in the cold cold plunge? How long can I or how long do yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. What's the longest you've been in there and like what uh what seems like a good dosage for you? Longest I've been in is about 15 minutes. What? Um Oh, but that that's like a, that was like a one off. I was like really prepping my mind. It was like an afternoon. Mm-hmm. I had had a workout, so my body's more warmed up. Uh, um but I'm every morning about 3 minutes. And that's okay. like early in the morning. In the mornings, I find you, you might relate. It's a lot more difficult. Yeah. Your blood's not flowing. Your body's not warmed up. And so it's a little more, it's just, it's a lot more sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, three minutes to me is kind of the, the time just to, it's more now of a moment of where I notice my heart rate has been stabilized or, and dropping. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. It's just a cue within my body. Do you mess with any red light therapy or anything like that? I do. I have, I think, EMR tech that mm-hmm. I use, right, for meditation in the morning. Yeah. Um, so, I have yeah. a juve. You have a, yeah, juve, yeah, yeah, juve's awesome. Um, but, it, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm not an expert in that space. It's, do you use it? Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. How about, um, because the, the reason why I go to Asha so much is so I can hit the sauna and then hit the, like, I don't really hit their plunge anymore since I have one at home, but do you do any sauna and cold back and forth? Totally. I, I have an infrared at the house, so I'll, I actually don't use the house one too, too often, but, um, you know, at Asha hundred uh, percent. My girlfriend's family has a, has a sauna built in and they have Ooh. like a, a cold pool right next to it. So we do a lot of that in the winter time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but to do the both, it's it's like a it's it is a calorie crunch. It is a your body is going to be stressed out and yeah. tired, and you're probably going to be really hungry after because mm-hmm. um, it's it's an intense it's a tense process on the body. Yeah. What's the uh, like introduction to cold plunging 101? Like you even mentioned, like in the morning it's earlier, so my head instantly goes to, well, I'm not doing it in the morning for my first one, but like even temperature wise, or is there any Don't other be a tips? Pussy. I'm a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing the biggest jacket in here (laughs) and it's like, it's a cold temperature room, you know? So it's like, I need to, I I need the, uh, the easiest way into getting into plunging. I think easiest way is doing it with a group. It's Mm. naturally easier when you're with people. It's just your mind and your body, Mm. you respond better. So being with people, um, ideally someone that's done it before so they can kind of breathe with you, talk you through it. Start at 55, 60 degrees. Um, Get in there and and was like nah and 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 find the the range that's like what's a range that you're like confident before going in that I can do so is that like and I like to think of it in breaths how many breaths mm. could I do in here mm-hmm. and is that eight breaths eight controlled breaths like you it's like now you've built yourself into a spot that I believe I can do this um, and just mess with that until you have a new sense of yourself mm-hmm. and then it's like, cool, I'm going to do 12 breaths and I'm going to drop the temperature by agree today and just build that and play the long game with it as, as opposed to jumping in at 39 degrees and I'm doing a 10 minute cold plunge. You know, it's like you guys would never bring someone into the gym and right. throw them into your workout if they haven't been working out for the last mm-hmm. five years. Mm-hmm. And so it's, 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 that is the same exact process with cold plunging. Yeah. Cause I was explaining to my wife and like our, our kitchen sink in the morning is it's like the water is like, like, damn, is that ice? I don't know. It's cold as shit. And then, you know, I was like, let me, let me measure it. And it was at 40 degrees and I'm like, babe, like a little bit colder than that is the cold plunge. And she's just like, oh. I was like, yeah, it's pretty cold. 40's cold. <laughs> yeah. 40's cold. And the other thing with the plunge that people, it's it's circulating water. Yeah. So you get like a windshield dynamic. So it's <laughs> no. colder. So if you're just in like a trough uh, with ice, your body will naturally warm the water around you. Yeah. And you get this kind of bubble layer. And so it's, the worst is if you're in one of those and someone comes and moves the water, it like it's like pins mm, and needles. Yeah. Well, the plunge is always circulating. Constant. So That's you have sick. this level, It's it's actually colder than just a rate. I mean, water coming out of the faucet at 40 degrees, that's cold because it's mm-hmm. moving. Like a shower, water hitting you at different, like with motion, is going to be a lot colder than just like sitting in a, in a trough with ice. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be for your, um, for your partner, Mike, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't even have to wash his clothes anymore. If he goes in with his clothes on, <laughs> now he could cut out two things. He doesn't need to shower and doesn't need to clean his clothes anymore. That's efficiency right there. So yeah, see if he'll try that out. Well, and well. you said he doesn't smell? No, he smells fine. He does. And then he would just air dry after that, right? I mean, yeah, he's he's a, he's a man of the earth. <laughs> does he wear shoes? Mike wears shoes. He wears shoes, but he'll he'll be barefoot. He's, yeah, he's not he's not full fledged like the bottom of his feet brown. No, no, no. He he cold man? plunges. So. Have a man bun. <laughs> yeah, Mike's got long hair. Ah, <laughs> we figured it out pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, we love you, bro. You did say 6'6", six, six, right? 6'6". Six, six, so maybe yeah. we should have oh, yeah. fucked with that. Yeah. It makes me very uncomfortable looking up <laughs> yeah, at people yeah. like that. It's yeah. just I don't like Just to like kind of... <laughs> or pat you on the head. Like, hey, little buddy. Yeah. How's it going down there today? You're almost a full human. Look uh-huh. at you. <laughs> Halfway there. Oh, man. What's next, man? You got you got some other projects you're working on? Mm. I mean, Plunge is, plunge is the focus mm-hmm. right now. We've... It's... You know, it's a really unique and special time of people being open to this and, and health being on the forefront. So we're maybe opening up more shops. 
Uh, from a capital floats perspective, no, that's not there. I mean, maybe within the partnership group, my one of my partners, she's interested in that. But from a plunge perspective, I mean, we have goals of you know distribution around the world, um, launching some new products. We're in the works on cool. you know it's a the, the sauna game we're going to be entering into yes. at some point. Um, so yeah, I think that's like and just scaling it to like our demand is is extremely high. And so mm-hmm. we want to be able to meet that and grow this where right now we're a little limited. We do sh- ship all over the world, but setting up distribution around around different parts of the country or different countries um, and just having fun, man. Like that's, that's our thing too, is like we're really trying to just build a network and, and more promote a lifestyle. Like cold plunging is not the silver bullet. It's a tool, but really sharing like this is a part of a lifestyle of being healthy and being happy and, and being fulfilled, so. Very cool. Andrew, want to take us on out of here, buddy? Sure thing. Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. Uh, down in the comments, let us know if you guys have uh, done any cold plunging or you plan on doing it or maybe turning that shower all the way over to cold and you know, let us know what you guys uh, experience. And uh, like today's video and uh, subscribe if you guys are not subscribed and turn on all those bell notifications so you guys don't miss another episode. Uh, follow the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram at MB Power Project on TikTok and Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter is at I am Andrew Z. And Seema, where can people get in touch with you? And Seema Inning on Instagram and YouTube. And see my yin yang on TikTok and Twitter, right? Uh, Instagram at Ryan A. Dewey. I'm at Mark's Millie Bell. Strength is never weakness, weakness never strength. Catch y'all later. Bye. Peace.